Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd like to welcome everybody to my podcast. I am your gracious host, Jupiter Nine, baby. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about Sly Green, the infamous Sly Green, you know what I'm saying? The boogeyman of Buffalo, New York. Know what I mean? Everybody who's from the city know about Sly Green, man. And if you live through those times, um, the, if you live through those times of the Sly Green era, you know what I'm saying? You know that he had the city on lock, yo. Like, he had the city on lock, man. Now, when Sly Green was doing his thing, man, you know what I'm saying? I was, I was a young shorty, you know what I'm saying? Going to school like every young kid was doing back in the day, you know what I mean? Now, when Sly Green was doing his thing, uh, you talking about, you know what I mean, like uh, mid-80s, uh, early 90s, you know what I'm saying? He had like a six or seven year run, you know what I'm saying, before he got hemmed up and shit and caught his sentence that he caught, you know what I mean? But um, those were some crazy, crazy, crazy times in the city, you know what I mean? Like, I remember, you know, right before, you know, Sly Green was doing his thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm young when Sly Green was doing things. I'm probably like 9, 10, maybe 11, maybe, when he, you know, when his name was ringing bell in Buffalo, New York. You know what I'm saying? There's been many, many uh, alleged stories about Sly Green, you know what I'm saying? You know, there were stories of him, you know, shooting people uh, in broad day, right in the face. You know what I mean? Uh... Plenty of stories, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, like I said, when Sly Green was doing his thing, man, in that time, in that era, you know what I'm saying? I was a young shorty, and uh, I remember when the L.A. boys, you know what I'm saying? I remember being a shorty, and I remember being in situations to where, like, Mom Dukes wanted to buy me some L.A. Raiders gear. Like, you know what I'm saying? Now, mind you, I've always been a Buffalo Bills fan, you know what I'm saying, ever since I was probably like five or six years old, so I wouldn't really want to be rocking no LA Raiders gear anyway, you know what I mean, so um, I guess mom, she didn't, she didn't, she didn't understand, you know what I'm saying, how big of a Bills fan I was, you know what I'm saying, until, you know, I started getting a little bit older and whatever, but I remember she wanted to buy me some LA Raiders gear, you know what I'm saying, and I told her, I'm like, nah, you can't rock that because, you know, Sly Green and them boys, that's what they were rocking. You know what I mean? That's how, you know, they were moving. That was their uniform back in the day. It was the, the L.A.'s Raiders gear. It, it, it stood for the L.A. boys because he had, you know, allegedly had connections in, in L.A., you know, you know, with the drugs and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So they were rocking the LA's gear, L.A. Raiders gear. But, you know, there's stories, you know what I'm saying? His brother, actually his brother was the one who was the the real terror. Like, you know what I'm saying? I believe he was murdered in Central Park or something like that. You know what I'm saying? He was sitting in Central Park and somebody shot his car up or something like that. Um, I forgot his brother's name, but there was an incident. Like, he was the one that was like the, the real terror, the real, real terror. Like, he was like the one, you know, causing havoc in the city. You know what I'm saying? I remember one time he threw a brick through our house. Allegedly, man. You know what I mean? And 
um, I remember, uh, my mom's, you know what I'm saying? She always, she always kept like a shotgun and handguns, you know what I'm saying? Because for, for a hot minute, she was, you know, a single mom raising me and shit like that. Cause pops, he, 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 he left, he bailed out. You know what I mean? When I was like, like one or two or something like that, you know what I'm saying? So he, he dipped and mom was like left to raise me by herself for a hot minute. But then my mom's met my sister's pops, you know what I'm saying? But that's a long story and whatever, but you know what I mean? But at the time they were together, my mom's and my sister's pop, you know what I'm saying? I call him Red. We call him Red, you know what I mean? So his brother allegedly threw uh, a brick through our house. So mom, she grabbed the pump, like, you know what I mean? And just, she went, my mom's wouldn't, she didn't play. Like she didn't give a fuck who it was. If somebody was putting her kids in danger or her family in danger, she would go crazy, like, you know what I'm saying, that's how she rocked, and back then, that's how you had to rock, you had to have some type of, uh, shotgun in your house at that time, because people were coming through your windows, and robbing you, and shit like that, shit was crazy back in the east side of Buffalo, you know what I mean, shit was crazy, but Sly Green, he was a crazy motherfucker, man, like, you know what I'm saying, I heard stories about Sly Green, if, like I'm saying, if you from the city, you know who Sly Green is, so boom, so, so my mom's so after he allegedly threw the brick through our house my mom's running through with the shotgun he pulls off quick for what reason he threw the brick we we like my mom she passed away in 2005 you know what i'm saying breast cancer rp moms but still to this day i don't know why he did it you know what i mean i don't know if he had beef with uh my sister's pots because you know he did construction type work and all along with that construction type work, you know what I'm saying? He knew how to fix houses, you know how to repair houses, you know how to do anything to a house, like put a roof on it, you know how to paint a house, you know what I'm saying? He could do any, he he could do plumbing, he could do siding, he can do roofing, he know how to blacktop like this man is just, he was incredible when he was young, man. Like I seen him put on a whole roof by himself. You know what I'm saying? And he was built like the hawk, like naturally, like you know what I mean, never lifted a weight in his life. And my mom's first met him, my sister's pops, you know what I'm saying? I thought he was the fucking credible hog. This dude was brolic. And he never touched the weight or nothing. Like, that all came from, you know, working on working uh, roofing and doing that hard labor, you know what I'm saying? He just was built like that because of that. Like, you know what I mean? Never touched the weight in his life. I never seen anybody naturally built like that just from, you know, just, I guess he just had like crazy good genetics, man. I wish I had his genetics for real. That's one thing I wish I had from my sister's pop. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want his bad habits. You know, later on he got onto the drugs and he got mad skinny, lost all his teeth and all that. You know what I mean? But I wish I had his genetics though. Word. But um, I don't know if he got into a situation with them or what. But like I said, man, that's how Sly Green brother was. He was just going around terrorizing people. Sly Green as well. Like I said, LA, Boy, LA Boys was running things at the time. But it finally all, all caught up with them. You know what I'm saying? I think he ended up catching a Rego charge or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, he's been trying to get out of jail for like the fucking longest. And like he's been saying he's innocent on the charges that were thrown at him. Um, I don't know about that. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people say they're innocent that's in jail. You know what I mean? But to keep it all the way funky like there's a lot of innocent people in jail don't get it like twisted there is some innocent people in jail but you know 
people say anything to get out of jail. That's a fact. You know what I mean? That's a fact. People will say anything to not do time for the crimes that they do. Uh, you know, you got to pay for the type of crimes that you do in society, even if the crimes that you do get smacked on you that you even, even didn't do because it's called karma, man. You know what I'm saying? You going around killing people and all that, allegedly. You going around killing people, you, this, that, and the third, and you don't think that's going to not come back to you. You got to pay some kind of way a debt to society. You know what I'm saying? That's why a lot of times people who are in the streets doing their thing and they never get caught for a long time. For, for a long time, Slot Green did not catch any type of charge or nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? For seven, seven, eight years, he ran ran the city. He, he was terrorizing the city, him and his brother. I forgot his brother's name, man. I wish I could remember his brother's name, but, you know, for a long time, they would do not, you know what I'm saying, getting caught for nothing, but, you know, uh, if he's saying that these charges that was thrown on him, he, he he shouldn't have had these charges. Know what I mean? It comes back to the negative energy you put out there. Know what I'm saying? And I'll be telling people all the time, you can't be doing negative shit out here and thinking you know, it's not going to catch up with you. Know what I mean? Because it will catch up with you. You can only do dirt for so long until you can't do it no more. You know what I mean? And now you sit in the jail the rest of your life. I heard allegedly, like, you know what I'm saying? He's, he, he's, a, he's, um, one of the alphabet people, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's never gonna see the day of light, so he probably is on the low, you know what I mean? A lot of cats that, you know, were drug bosses back in the day or whatever, they, uh, they be on the low, you know what I mean? Because they're never gonna see the, the, they're never gonna see freedom, and they're never gonna see women anymore so you know a lot of cats turn to you know alphabet people <laughs> you know what I'm saying but you know you gotta pay for the atrocities that you do in this world and Sly Green that Sly Green era did a lot of damage to the city and this city still to this day the east side of Buffalo is still recovering from what Sly Green did in the mid 80s and 90s it's still the east side of buffalo still hurting for jobs you know what i'm saying it's still you know what i'm saying nothing really going on in the east side of buffalo no de- new developments going on no new businesses going on there's no jobs like i said you know what i mean there's no opportunities on that side you know what i mean and there's people still strung out of of what's like strong got on drugs of the era of sly green and what they what his la boys did back in the mid 80s and early 90s you know what i'm saying like that was that was that was a crazy time because like yo we not new york city you know what i'm saying we not we not mad big so you know for somebody to terrorize the city won't take much because buffalo's mad small like we not like i said we not new york city even though we're the second largest in new york state but still you know what i'm saying it won't take it don't take much for somebody to come in like sly green and just fucking cause havoc you know what i'm saying population of 250,000 people it's probably less now because like mad people leaving you know what i'm saying because just the lack of opportunities like like mad people leaving going to the south or whatever including myself like know what i mean but um i want to get into this interview that sly green did you know what i'm saying not too long ago and I want you to hear his side of the story, but me personally living through that era, know what I'm saying? He's right belong. He's right where he need to, 
need to be. That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? But I want you guys to check out this interview. So I'm going to play the interview. Donald Sly Green, one of the most infamous characters in the history of Western New York. Donald Sly Green was convicted of various crimes more than 26 years ago and has been behind bars ever since. He's never been given an opportunity to tell his side of the story here in Western New York. This interview will also talk about some of the things that Donald Sly Green has been doing during his 26 years of incarceration. He has a major concern about the unfair sentencing of African Americans throughout the United States judiciary system. The extent that even the President of the United States, President Barack Obama, has called for a complete overhaul of this system. The federal judiciary system within and throughout this country, as it concerns cases like Donald Sly Green, is a case and point. Donald Sly Green was given more than four life sentences plus 115 years. This, to me, is unfair sentencing. And unfair sentencing is a subject matter that has to be discussed when we talk about African Americans in this country. Donald Sly Green will be given an opportunity to tell his side of the story. And you make your own judgment. This is part one and part two will air next week. And I hope all of you pay close attention and most of all, have your young people to listen to this interview. And maybe we can save them from some of the perils that have affected the life of Donald Sly Green. This is his opportunity. This is his story. I am the Mighty Oba here on the special edition of The Message. Donald, you all right? Oh, yes, sir. All right. Donald Sly Green is with us here today. I want to start by asking you, uh, how did you get involved in what you call the hustle game? I got involved in the hustle game when I was about 12 years old at a very young age. And um, I have like five brothers and two sisters. And my oldest brother was the vice president of a local street gang called uh, Cold Spring Manhattan Lovers. His name was Iceberg. And I had another brother by the name of Gary and another brother by the name of Ronnie. The other brother was too really young to understand what was going on. And uh, what my brother would do, the rest of college from a federal prison. Me and my other brothers would follow my older brother Iceberg and whatever he done. Now, like I said, at the time I was like 12, my other brother was like, Ronnie was like 11, and Gary, he was like 13 at the time. And so, when my brother became a vice president of a gang, then me and my other little brothers would follow behind him, and we would get in the gang. And so, as time went on, probably about a year or two as that went on, my brother stopped being in the gang, and he became a hustler. He started hustling in the streets, selling drugs. So he would give me a number like one and one, my other little brother number two and two, and then Ronnie a number three and three. So if he said one and one, that meant bringing one bundle of dope. If he said two and two, that meant bringing two bundles of dope from Gary or Ronnie. If he said three and three, that meant Ronnie would bring him three bundles of dope. So. He stopped being a gang leader, he stopped being a drug dealer. Mm. So as time went on, 
Then he started hustling. He started having girlfriends, and he became a pimp. And so I had an aunt, I got two aunts that was prostitutes. And one of them was very pretty. And she used to have a pimp, and she stopped being with her pimp, and she would take me with her. She had a, a Broham Cadillac at the time. This was a long time ago. I was about 13 now. And what she would do is, she would go out on Chippewa, she would go up in Niagara Falls, and she would prostitute. And what she would do is keep me inside a restaurant, and I would drink orange juice and eat candy bars and stuff like that. And she, every time she'd get money, she would bring me the money to hold for her. Then she'd take me all over the city, take me to Niagara Falls, and take me everywhere. I really didn't see anything wrong with any of this because I was so young at the time. And I really didn't understand what was going on. And it was seven of us. So my mother was kind of young when she had so many kids. So my mother, my grandmother, and my aunt took care of all seven of us. My grandmother took some of us, my aunt took some of us, and some of us stayed with my mother because my mother was a very young lady at the time and she was very pretty, but she had seven kids, so she'd be out you know, in bars or clubs or something, things like that. And she really didn't have time for seven kids, I would assume. But she'd done the best she could under the circumstances. And so as time went on, my older brother, Iceberg, would tell us, the younger brothers, don't never tell on nobody, don't never snitch on nobody. If you see things in the streets, you don't say them. You leave the streets where the streets is at. That's how I got into it. When did you become what you call street poison? I became street poison because I like what I saw inside the streets. I admire what I saw inside the streets. I became the streets and by me being around my aunt and by me being around my older brother, you know, I, I love the streets. I love what I've seen in the streets. And so I began to live in the streets and skip school and, you know, be around my aunt or try to hang around my older brother and I just became fascinated with the streets because of what the streets represented and what I've seen in the streets and through my aunt and my older brother and my brother was like a local legend at that time in the streets. He made a lot of money. Uh, he stayed very well dressed and you know we just wanted to be like our brother. Me and my little younger brothers we seen what he done and we just followed behind him and we wanted to be like him. And so we followed behind him, and everything he did, we tried to emulate, and we tried to do, so I became street poison. I became the streets, I became like the streets, and I became obligated to the streets, you know? And I didn't want to do nothing else but be in the streets, because that's what I, I grew up saying, my older brother and my aunt in the streets. Now, Sly, uh, eventually, this led to you uh, being charged uh, with certain violations of law. Uh, yes. Can you just tell me about those and, and, and how did those uh, come into being, uh, what those laws were? Okay, as I grew older, I, 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 I got charged, first I got charged with a, uh, some guys killed my little brother. So I got charged with the murder of some of the guys that killed my little brother. I went to trial, I proceeded to trial, so I got convicted. And I received 25 to life for the state of New York. And then, about 18 months later, I go on trial for the feds 
with a 73-count indictment with uh, 32 co-defendants from various cities and uh, states with a few, uh, two Colombians and a guy from another country. I go on trial. They put me on top of the indictment. And they accuse me of being the, uh, the boss, the crime boss, the godfather. Sly, I want to ask you, how many cases have you had thrown out successfully uh, since uh, you've really become active as a jailhouse lawyer? Okay, I've won 166 cases and five Supreme Court cases. Wow. That's how many I've won thus far within the last 25 years that I was incarcerated. But like I told you, it took me six years to learn the law because the only way I felt that I would ever be free or that I would ever be able to gain my freedom or cut the sentence down is that I had to learn the law based on what the guy told me 25 years ago while I was in Leavenworth Federal United States Penitentiary and this guy was from St. Louis. And he told me, the only way you gonna get out on a case like that is you got to learn the law and get yourself out because no lawyer is going to get you out on a case like that. Mm. So have you helped a lot of people that you've helped that have been severely, unfairly convicted and given uh, overabundance of time? Uh, yes, I've helped guys that had uh, life sentences. I've, I've won four life sentences. I've won cases with guys that had 30 years, guys that had multi-life sentences. I've, I've won 166 cases of five Supreme Court cases. And the, the reason why I was able to win these cases is because I felt that, well, yo, the witnesses that testified against me, a lot of them did not tell the truth. They testified they went into the federal witness program. I had lawyers. Once I came to prison, I found out that it was a lot of things that the lawyers could have said during the trial that would have helped me that they did not say or that they did not know to say. Okay. And, and you know, so I, I, I studied law. I read law books. I read about judges. I read about lawyers. You know, and I've been studying law and studying law. Every time something new come out, I, you know, try to comprehend it and study it. And, you know, I read books about Supreme Court justices. I read books about great lawyers, you know. And I just stay abreast on it, working on my case as well, trying to get out because I started out with five life terms in 135 years. And, you know, the only way I'm ever get out of prison is that I have to know the law to get out because nobody else is going to get me out, not even a lawyer. I have to... This college from a federal prison. And so, you know, I, I stay working on a case. Now, what I do is I have guys that's in prison, and what I do is I teach law classes within the prison. Okay. And so I have a law, ca a law class here at the prison that I'm on, and I teach the other inmates about law. Mm. You know, so that they can help themselves. And um, I've helped a lot of guys out that had... 30 years, 20 years. I helped a lot of guys out that had serious sentences, hmm. you know? Let's start, start talking about your case again and how certain things happen. Uh, what were your thoughts when uh, your trial started and they were transporting you by military, military helicopter? Okay, when I... 
when they when the feds arrested me, they came on a military helicopter. They strapped me down in the helicopter the same way they strapped Noriega and El Chapo down. They had a machine gun boat on the helicopter. They landed. They took me for about three hours. They landed on a government, some private government land. There was like 17 to 23 uh, guys looked like agents. They was lined up. There was another guy standing on the side of him giving him a dissertation. I had a camera in the front of me. I had another camera in the back of me. And as I'm going to the helicopter, military helicopter, I got all these guys that's in military gear standing around the helicopter. And I get on the helicopter, and one of the, uh, the captain says to me, I'm captain such and such. You know, so he was a captain of the, of the uh, helicopter that he was on, or a captain in the Army or wherever he was from. So they take me, they take me to Buffalo. When I get to Buffalo, because I done landed the second time, once I get to a little town outside of Buffalo, it must have been Chittawaga or something. Yes. They got like 17 cars lined up. They put me in one of them. You don't know which one of them because they got all these sirens and things like that. And they take me. And when I get downtown, I get ready. About a few months later, I go on trial. Now, once I go on trial, they got FBI by all the bus stops for a three-mile radius. They got snipers on all the roofs and surrounding areas for a three-mile radius. They got over 150 U.S. Marshals patrolling the trial. Now, how do I know all this? Because all this is in the transcripts. All this is in the newspaper. And they constantly say, though, he's being transported by military vehicles. So what they did is they called in U.S. prosecutors. They had four U.S. prosecutors against Mr. Hoko, Mr. Endler, uh, a guy by the name of uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Stephenson or Stevenson, and some other guy that I don't know. But two of these guys was from Washington. They bring in Washington. Uh, U.S. prosecutors, they call them organized uh, task force prosecutors when they prosecute uh, major cases. Now, even though they accuse me of being a crime boss, and even though they accuse me of uh, consolidating drug uh, gangs and putting them together and, you know, controlling the city and all this type of stuff, it was made up just to get me indicted. It was made up to get me convicted. They gave me more time than they gave Gotti and the Unabomber put together. They gave Gotti 100 years plus life. They gave the Unabomber three lives. They gave me, on the federal case, four lives in 110 years. They gave me more time than they gave both of them put together. And then they paid the witnesses to testify against me. Like on the state case, they paid the witness, Mr. Wright, 250000 I never seen a guy before. Then they paid another guy uh, to get his charges dropped. They put them in the federal witness program. Everybody that testified against me, they went in the federal program and they got some benefit. And I just want to be honest with you, uh, Pat. I sold some drugs, but man, I'm not guilty of selling no billion dollars worth of drugs. I'm not guilty of selling all the drugs that they said. I'm not guilty of uh, 11 extortions, uh, nine kidnappings, multi-hits, uh, controlling this city, that city, you know, being in charge of 11 captains and three underbosses. I mean, they blew the case up, man. They made me bigger than life. That's what they did. Sly, they, they accuse you of selling 100 keys a month. It's, they, they, it's, yeah, they accused me of selling 100 keys a month. When the judge sentenced me, 
he held me responsible for 100 kids a month for five years. That's over that's over a billion dollars. You know? And did, they, did they try to prove that or was it just hype? They tried to prove it, but it was hype. It was media hype. That's all it was. They, they tried to prove that, but the judge ended up saying that, yo, I'm giving you 100 kids a month from 1987 all the way to 1992 and gave me 100 keys a month, accused me of being the boss and kept saying, oh, if you was going to be a boss, you would have been a good boss of a CEO corporation and things like that. I was never a boss. You were, the you, only, you, you, the, they called you the godfather. Yeah, they said that I was the the, the black John Gotti of the city, that I was the, the a, black, a black crime boss. That's what they accused me. They said that I consolidated the drug gangs and brought them all together and created a commission within the organization. They charged me with saying that I had 11 captains and three underbosses on me. Then they said that I had captains in other cities. You know, they, they blew the case up. What was and the name of the gang that they said you were running? They said, well, they said I was running, I was uh, running a L.A. boys gang. I never heard of no L.A. boys gang until they arrested me. I never heard of that. I never heard of anything like that until they arrested me. No such thing ever existed. Then they say I was running an organization called The Family. Then they say I was the crime boss of the organization. So they used various names. You know? None of this ever proved. No, this wasn't proven at all. No, that was not proven. I'm just being very honest with you. Now, when... When you were take, you were forced to see the trial from a video room. They said you blew up in the courtroom. Was that reacting to someone that yeah, the, you didn't know? The reason why I was, reason why I was taken out of trial and put into a bullpen, and I had to watch it from upstairs in a bullpen, because the trial went on for several months. And the reason why is because. I had a I had a, a a girlfriend of mine. Her name was Doris. This call is from a federal prison. Her name was Doris Parker. She got up on the stand and she started saying he had so much money. I never seen that much money in our, in my life. This is what she's saying. But I don't know she get she getting me charged with the Super Kingpin Act. I don't know she getting me charged with Rico Enterprise because those are some of the elements that you get charged with with large sums of money. So I jumped up and I said, uh, Your Honor. She's a lying bitch, just like that, because those are the words that came out of my mouth, because she's lying, and I felt that, well, damn, how could you jump up there and say this, when everything that I've done for you, I've never disrespected you, I've never crossed you, I've done nothing like this for you, and you're getting up there and you're lying for the government to help get me more time. And so I jumped up, I said that. Then I had another witness, he testified, and he's saying that, you know, well, this was a organized crime organization, and I jumped up on him. I said, Johnny's lying. Because he wasn't around me in order for him to say the things that he was saying. So I became emotionally upset about some of the things that they were saying. Then I had another guy I was close to, and uh, they, he was accused of being one of the captains of this so-called organization that the government created. And he was up on a stand, and he was testifying and uh, he was up there smiling like everything was a joke. So I jumped up and I hollered and I screamed on him and threw a water pitcher because, Pat, I was highly upset, man. I was agitated, man, because they up on the stand, they testifying, and some things that's being said is true, but a lot of things that's being said is not true. 
through the things that they were saying, some of the things that they were saying that were not true, I reacted to them. I should not have reacted to them like that, you know? But that's how I reacted. Sly, have you, Sly, let me ask you, have you found that some of the people that testified against you were under the employ of the federal government? Well, some of the people that testified against me most of them was under the influence of the federal government, and the federal government told them what to say and how to say what they said in order for those charges to stick to me, in order for the uh, elements to meet, in order for the jury to uh, come back with a verdict like they did to try to prove the elements of a, a Super King tonight, to try to prove the elements of a Rico Enterprise, to try to prove the elements of a conspiracy. They gave me four conspiracies in one case and to put me on top of the indictment and said that I'm involved in four conspiracies in one case with 32 co-defendants. That's impossible, man. That was, that was impossible. So no matter if I was innocent of some of the charges or not, they already had it rigged up so that I would get convicted. And so I got kicked out of trial. And when I got get kicked out of trial, I had to watch it from a monitor. But they did, I was uh, strapped down in the chair. The judge did let me stay strapped down in the chair, but I jumped up again because another witness started uh, saying things that I just felt wasn't true. Mm. And they just kicked me out of trial and I had to watch the trial from a TV monitor upstairs. It's not that, I, it, it's, it's just that I was, so, I was so emotionally upset about how they just got up there and was influenced and manipulated by the government to say the things that they were saying about me that I reacted in a way that I should have never reacted to. Sly, you know? we're, we're going to take a short break. Be right back here on a special edition of The Message here with Donald Sly Green. Uh, yeah, so um, that was the interview with uh, Sly Green. You know what I'm saying? Him explaining his side of the story. Now, some things I do agree with Sly Green on, you know, us um, brothers and sisters getting, you know, maximum um, charges when um, we when we break the law. I'm not saying me myself, but you know, when people break the law, we seem to get the max when it comes to prison time. That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? But it's more things um, connected to that. You know what I'm saying? It's more than just that that goes with that. You know what I'm saying? But um, you know, he talks like he's a little angel and you know he didn't do these things in the streets this that the third now this 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 uh podcast episodes for um entertainment purposes only you know what i'm saying um like i said i don't really know know what he was doing at that time but like like i said you know people were saying things you know what i'm saying his name was ringing bells in the city and, and if you're not a big time mover and you, if you're not big time doing big time things in the streets, nobody's gonna ring. Nobody's gonna talk about you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Nobody's gonna talk about you if you're not doing certain things in the streets. Streets is not gonna talk about you. You're a nobody. You know what I'm saying? So he was a somebody in Buffalo, New York, and still to this day, uh, people still talk about him. You know what I'm saying? People are still talking about Sly Green in the city still to this day. And again, you know. Um, it's good that, you know, he turned his, seems like he turned his life around, you know what I'm saying? And he's, uh, helping other people, you know, with his 
his knowledge of the law and that's a very important too guys like you have to study a little bit of law this is why we get hemmed up in these situations you know what i'm saying because we rely on these people called lawyers to look out for our best interest when is they're not for your best interest they all playing uh they're all on the same they're all on the same team judges the lawyers they're all on the same team so you know a lot of times you got to be your own lawyer you know what i'm saying and this is why we have to study a little bit of law this is why we get hemmed up in traffic stops and we get you know shot at traffic stops because you don't know the law you know what i'm saying he is a prime example of you know realizing that you know it's going to take the law for me to possibly have a chance even a little slight chance of getting out which i don't think he will get out he might get a little bit lesser time but he's still they're not gonna let him out man come on man <laughs> they're not gonna let him out man know what i mean um it, 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 it what's so crazy is that you know these cats will be running the streets and all that and then they make the youth they make it they make they paint this picture of you know the streets being this wonderful thing and uh you're not working for the man and all this mess and you out here doing illegal activity you know what i'm saying and they paint this picture for the youth and that's how a lot of times the youth get caught up in this stuff and the same thing happened with sly green you know when he was young he got caught up in it because of the picture that was pictured the picture that was painted of that street life and at the end of the day the message really in this whole situation is young people stay out them damn streets man you know what i'm saying there's nothing there for you in them damn streets word there's nothing for you in those streets you know what's for you in those streets death or prison life in prison and then you know you end up like sly green with all that money he allegedly made in the streets what do he have now man and that's the that's the real message you know what i'm saying it's sad because he could have been a ceo of a corporation or the boss of a corporation you know what i mean and that's 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 what's so sad is like a lot of these cats is not stupid like they're very these cats are being in the streets and selling drugs and whatever allegedly selling drugs like a lot of these cats are not not stupid man they're very intelligent people these are that again some of it has to do with you know in the city and the lack of opportunities man because around when he was doing his thing sly green era that's when the city started to de- decline you know what i'm saying all the factory jobs and shit like that were gone you know what i mean really with no opportunities now it's a little different again with internet you know you can get it popping on the internet with consistency and hard work but you know even podcasting as well but you know the street thing that's a thing of the past that shit is dead and nobody should be playing in the streets no more you know what i mean but that's what it was like living through the sly green era man you know what i'm saying i didn't see a lot of crazy stuff man a lot of crazy stuff in that era man but this should be a message to the young people to stay out from the streets either start a business or go to school you know what i'm saying or learn a trade that's all i can tell you man or learn how to you know manipulate the the internet and get internet money that's all i can tell you man you know what i'm saying but yo thank you for everybody for tuning in please share this with family and friends please follow me if you have spotify 
please subscribe to me on Spotify, Jupiter 9, baby. But that's my take. I am your gracious host, Jupiter 9. I want to say peace and love to everybody. Take care. One.